This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. We're delighted that you're listening. My guest today is George Olivier Raymond. He's the founder and CEO of Pascal. It's the first French company to develop quantum computing hardware. After defending his thesis, George moved into industry where he developed high-tech products based on optical technologies in diverse fields such as biotechnology, defense, and semiconducting. He's authored nine patents covering imagery and low-light detection techniques and the coupling of inertial and imaging systems for navigation in a GNSS-denied environment, or stellar navigation. George's company, Pascal, was founded in 2019, is based in Palaiso and Massy, south of Paris. And again, the company builds quantum computers. We're going to delve into that in more detail during our conversation. Welcome, George. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Welcome, Christophe. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here today, and I would like to thank you for the invitation. And I'm glad to, yes, to, to answer your, your question and to, to explain what we are doing at Pascal to the audience. Terrific. I'm looking forward to our conversation very much. I have two, some very exciting recent developments to share, so delighted that you're here. I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. So my objective really is twofold, to give our audience a sense of what you did before you founded Pascal, but also to orient our listeners to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So could you please share with our listeners a bit about your background and your path so far, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, and certainly any insight into the organizations or companies where you worked or did research before founding Pascal? Okay, absolutely. Uh, Well, um, so I'm a physicist by training. As as you mentioned in the introduction, I I did a PhD and um, I studied in France. And I really discovered uh, quantum physics during my second year in, uh, in college. And uh, by reading a scientific newspaper, uh, which was talking about uh, a strange experiment and about strange states, you know, particles being in two states at the same time and being entangled. And uh, as a young physicist, uh, for a young physicist I was at that time, it was very surprising because I've only been taught classical physics, you know, and it really came as a surprise, and I, and I found it so intriguing that I decided to make it my, my guidelines for my uh, for my future studies. And uh, I always followed them the path of quantum physics until the, uh, the, the PhD. And by the way, during my PhD, I pioneered the technology which is at the heart of Pascal today. So I think one of your questions is maybe how, why I created Pascal. Well, there's a bit of uh, history there. And as you mentioned, after, after this PhD, it's also interesting, I think, for the story is that I, I move into the industry, as you mentioned, so pretty far away from quantum uh, at, at this stage. But, you know, learning my engineering job, I mean, you know, taking tech out of the lab and bringing them at the industrial level. I, I did that in several environments, in startup, in large corporates. And it is today very useful to run a company such as Pascal. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about just so the biotechnology, defense, semiconducting, stellar navigation. So really interesting disciplines, right? So can you just share a little bit about what you're doing in those particular areas? I'm always interested in new things, in new challenges. 
you know. Uh, so all all these uh, experience were pretty different, you know, even though they have co common roots. And uh, I hope so, so it's always a delight for me you know, to discover to discover new things. So you know, biotechnologies, uh, uh, stellar navigation, uh, and all and the common the focal point of all this uh, experience is. Uh, is photonics, is optics. That's really the, at the heart of my of my know-how, I would say. Right, right. So tell me how you found founded Pascal, how you came to do that. I always am curious. I think people are, you know, wondering, was it a light bulb moment, some epiphany walking down the street, or a revelation in a lab doing some research, or maybe a conversation with a colleague at a bistro? Is it you in <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see. Um, actually, so how, let's form a company. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, twenty years ago, during my PhD, uh, I mean, it, it was purely academic. Okay, and I could never imagine that than twenty years later, I, I will create a company. But still, I, I told to myself, it's if someday the technology is mature enough, but so like we can create something with that, I will be part of it. And, and basically, it, it happened in, in 2019, in 20, yes, in 2019. I, I still kept an eye on my former labs because, you know, I spent three hard years working on a complex experiment, demonstrating complex physics. Uh, I was just curious about what, what, about what was happening. And my, I mean, and the, uh, the researchers who are now my co-founders, they, they, they made a really good job and they really improving the, uh, uh, the technology, scaling the number of qubits, uh, developing applications on top of that. I was really impressed by that. And, uh, and, and for me, this idea of creating the, the company was, was a no-brainer, honestly, I mean. Yes, yeah, so, so finally it sort of reached a level of maturity where you felt like it was time to start a company. Fantastic. Yeah, yes, that's exact, exactly the point. Maturity, uh, application on top of that, and last but not least, an investor was ready to back us from the beginning, and that was the trigger. So as we all know, right, there are many options for qubits, right, to, to ways to solution that. Um, can you tell our listeners why you decided to focus on cold atoms and specifically Rydberg atoms for a quantum processor? Like, what made you decide that that was the, the best solution? I mean, actually, there are so many. I, I don't know how to start. Uh, so <laughs> really, yes. So, uh, I mean, I, I will focus on the most important ones. Uh, First of all, there is a, I would say, an industrial aspect. By using neutral atom, you know, we do not need to manufacture them. Uh, nature builds, builds them for, for, for us. And by nature, they are all identical. We do not need to cool them because they are, they are behaving quantum by nature as well. So they are very, very great, uh, great quantum tools, uh, to say. And also, I think that the, you know, the, the underlying physics to, that controls them to, to make quantum processing unit is fairly easy to, to understand, to control. So at, at the end, you can have everything under control, which to me is key for, uh, for industrial uh, ramp up. So that's the first point. The, the second one is flexibility. This is a fantastic, uh, fantastic tool. For instance, you know, we can create quantum regi registers, uh, putting our atom in any shape we want, we have a full control over this geometry, and this is, and we can also control the interaction between the atoms because we, there are a lot of free parameters to do so. And at the end, we can engineer Hamiltonians, 
we can uh, control this geometry. It gives a lot of flexibility, opening the broad avenue for, for applications and very efficient ones. So this is, I, I would say, the second key, key asset. And finally, I mean, I think the most important one is about scalability. I mean, uh, I think in, in, the, in, the, in the last years, we, the technology managed to, to scale from tens of qubits to hundreds of them right now. And it is published in peer review paper. Scientists are building application on top of that. And that's, it's, a, it's a real breaking news because now I think that end users need qubit you know, to, to demonstrate uh, something useful and to tackle uh, real world problems. Yeah, so that's a great segue to my next question, which is tied to uh, the roadmap that you announced uh, not long ago to achieve a goal of delivering a thousand qubit quantum processor to the market by the end of 2023. So can you share insight into this roadmap and maybe milestones that we should watch out for? Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. Uh, we, we, I mean, we, we put that on, on, on our roadmap last year. Uh, so one year ago exactly, and uh, and today we are exactly where we want to, where we wanted us to be, which is I think quite uh, I mean a great achievement, even though there's still a lot of a lot of work to do. So what are the next steps? So today we are currently uh, validating the building blocks, you know, to 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 reach this 1,000 qubit. It's almost done. We currently have a, an R&D setup which is controlling a couple of hundreds of atoms. And the, the next step is to, uh, to turn this atom into qubits, you know, to, to demonstrate an application on top of that, showcasing that we have all the, tool, all the tools in place. And this will happen this year. Uh, next year, in 2023, we will scale it a bit, you know, improving our skills, and with the goal of demonstrating a true quantum advantage thanks to this 1,000 qubit, and a quantum advantage for industrial use. Let's make a, a, a strong difference compared to only scientific purposes. And finally, uh, the, the year after, 2024, I mean, we will, we will scale it at the industrial level. So launching our commercial offer with, uh, with, uh, with uh, a cloud access to uh, 1,000 qubit processors. Very exciting. So thank you for sharing that. We'll be watching the roadmap on the website and uh, looking for press announcements about your progress. It's very, very exciting. Uh, congratulations also on your recent merger with Q&Co. I saw that this will give you the ability to provide a full stack solution and what was described as a large portfolio of industry-relevant quantum applications. So can you share a bit of insight into how this strategic relationship is going to accelerate the path to near quantum advantage? Yes, of course. And uh, I mean, first of all, I'd like to say that, I mean, developing applications is, is part from our DNA, for our DNA from the beginning. I really have a strong commitment to applications because I mean uh, I, I didn't want to build only the hardware because I mean the, the risk is to build a, a fantastic tools which is which is useless at the end of the day and the way to avoid that is to develop applications with customer and of course this merge with Q and Co was a way of uh, strengthening this uh, this vision and it brings two two assets the first one is is reaching customers because we are offering them a a turnkey system. So basically, they do not have to learn quantum to use the technology, which is, uh, which is of, of course, great. And uh, the second one is that for me, having the hardware and the software together is the way to, toward quantum advantage. It's the way of, spe- speeding, uh, of speeding up this, uh, this rise. Because you can really leverage the strength of the processor, uh, 
mitigate the errors, and at the end of the day, build very efficient solutions that can address real-world applications with the state-of-the-art technology. And for me, it's, it's, it's the path toward quantum advantage. And by the way, it was the path followed by classical computing. You know, the first processors, they were designed, they were optimized for a very specific task. That's exactly what we are doing. Joy, is there more and more conversations I'm hearing around the power of leveraging HPC capabilities with quantum environments, right? This sort of interoperability giving uh, enhanced capability, if you will. So, and I read that you you guys are working with Atos on a hybrid HPC quantum solution, setting the stage for real-world short-term applications. I'd love to get your take on this. What What's your perspective on this approach? Well, uh, as you mentioned, you have to see these quantum processors as accelerators, exactly like GPU does. And so they, they will accelerate part of the, uh, of the, of the computing. So at the end, you will need CPUs, you will need GPUs, and you will need quantum processing unit as well. And you need to put them in a single place, what I'm calling hybrid computing. What we are doing with Atos, the, uh, one of the global leader in, uh, in HPC, is exactly that. We are building this hybrid infrastructure. We are working with them to, to merge classical and quantum computing solutions together. And, and we, with Atos, we are part of a European project named uh, HPC QS uh, to, to work on that. Hmm, HPCQS, very interesting. The question around APIs and SDKs, right? So, and maybe this is, uh, I would guess, tied to the Q&Co uh, partnership. We're wondering about, you know, which one do you support? Qiskit, Q-sharp, maybe libraries like Penny Lane? Are there others? Okay, yeah, yes, basically we, we are compliant with all SDK and API. I mean, we, we are developing the, the, the API to be compatible with all of them. So yes, you, you name a few. I mean, we are compatible with Cirque, Qiskit, Penny Lane. And we are in progress with the Microsoft to be compatible with Q-Sharp as well. Great. So that's a great segue too. There's another terrific announcement for Pascal. Um, bravo, that your uh, system is going to become available on Microsoft Azure Quantum later this year. And worth noting that your system is going to be the first quantum processor leveraging neutral atom architecture available through Azure. So very exciting. Now, what are your expectations, again, as a CEO and from a business perspective, right, around how this is going to drive the business model? and um, more broadly, sort of overall quantum adoption, being on Azure, that's a, that's a big deal. Yes, absolutely. But it's very exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased to, uh, to, to have this partnership with them. And for me, I mean, it, it, it is key for customers. You know, what they want today is having access to Qubit and many of them, which, which we are offering with our, with our technology. And they want to have access to this Qubit because, you know, they, they want to benchmark the... They want to benchmark them against their classical solutions. They want to implement real-world challenges on, on this new solution. And for this, I, be, I strongly believe that cloud access is the best path. Uh, is, is the best path because it's, uh, it prevents the, the end users to you know to, to spend a lot of capex buying expensive devices. They can try. They can benchmark. They can create their uh, their proof of value with the uh, with cloud access, and and then they can continue this way or by uh, or, or by a processor. And second, we also need to deliver the uh, uh, quantum computational power at the largest possible scale. And I think having the, uh, this partnership with, uh, with uh, leaders in the field of, um, uh, of uh, cloud computing is, is key for that. Thank you. Yeah, yes, very exciting. So the inevitable question, 
we come to is around clients, right? The question in everybody's mind. Um, you know, to your, I mean, you're, it's a theme. You've been referring to it certainly uh, throughout this conversation. I read that the company recently announced a collaboration with Aramco, for example, to develop quantum computing applications for the energy industry. Uh, other clients mentioned on your site include Johnson & Johnson, LG, Airbus, BMW, EDF, Talus, MBDA, Credit Agricole. So could you tell our listeners about some of the work you're doing for these clients? And, and the question also comes up around other cross-vertical applications of quantum, like optimization solutions you're using in a range of, or a couple of different verticals, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we are developing tools that can be applied to many verticals. That's the, that's the beauty of the uh, of the thing. And so, for instance, we have uh, tools for quantum machine learning. We have tools for optimizations. And you can apply them to, to many verticals. And what we are doing with our customers is that we are implementing their real-world use cases at, at a scale with our processor, which are currently in the range of 100 to 200 qubit, at a scale where they can really benchmark the use cases. You know, we are not talking about toys model anymore, which doesn't bring a lot to the end users because it's not it's not enough to for them to, to forecast when they will be able to, to switch from R and D to production. And with hundreds of qubit, we, we can offer, we, we can offer that. This is uh, which this is this is key for me. And so what they are doing so it's they are learning, they are training their teams, they identify the use cases that this new, this new technology can, can tackle. And basically, they are getting ready for when the quantum advantage will be ready in two years. And they, they, and they, they will have a, a competitive advantage against their competitors because learning, training, benchmarking, it takes time. And basically, they have two years to do that. So they better start now. George, can we drill down into one of the clients maybe? Just, again, we don't want to reveal competitive advantage or proprietary information, but just like a specific case with one of these clients, like what you're doing for them. I think it's always interesting to our listeners, you know, like how this is actually working in the real world today. Yes, I think I can highlight the, uh, the partnership we have with Credit Agricole, uh, a, a, glo a global bank, and we are helping them uh, optimizing their portfolio, you know, mitigate, mi mitigating their risks and helping them in, in decision making. I mean, this, uh, this partnership is very, very interesting. Because when we start working with them, they were really in R&D mode. They wanted to learn. For them, it was long term. We, we, we produce s such very good results. But now they already want to, to switch from R&D to production mode. It's completely amazing. And they are definitely praising our technology. I mean, we, we had a great, a great quote from them, unsolicited. And, and they, they claim publicly that they see uh, an advantage by working with us already. Terrific. Congratulations. And thank you for sharing that. It's always great for our listeners to get insight into what's happening in the real world with a real client. So I've come to what I consider sort of the closing question, which is around workforce, right? We all know that there's a challenge around finding talent. And I want to get your take on the challenges that a company like Pascal faces in finding talent. You know, how do you go about recruiting? Do you have affiliations with universities? I mean, you're near Paris, or like where you studied, uh, or at the Sorbonne or other major university. We have access to resources across Europe, of course. Um, and certainly in the, this day and age where remote is more the model, more acceptable for how people 
go to work. Can you share insight in how you how you find talent and other particular disciplines that are harder to fill than others? Yes, you're right. It's a it's, it's a great challenge you had to I mean to find talents. And surprisingly, what I can tell you is that the uh, the quantum talent it's not the the most difficult part to them because I mean at least in Europe there are a large pool of of talents and we've been quite successful so far by finding them because as as you said we are well connected with the uh, with the academia with with universities so so far we managed to find them for example at Pascal we already have more than 70 employees representing more than 15 uh, nationalities meaning that we are quite attractive and surprisingly the talents which are the uh, the most difficult to find are i would say classical engineers classical developers they, first of all, they are very scarce, and you know we are. And for this position, we are directly competing against large corporates. And for a small startup, even though we are quite quite large, it's hard to be visible for uh, compared to to large corporates. But but you know, I mean, this uh, this challenge of quantum computing, I think, is a very exciting one uh, for for engineers. That's the you know. It's like, it's like the special industry in the 70s you know everything has to be to, to be to be built it's great technology with almost no compromise and uh, as for me I would love to be an engineer at Pascal but unfortunately I can't work to do so I also want to mention just in this context that in preparing for our conversation I did some uh, analysis due diligence and it was called out on your website that you're looking for, among other things, a talent acquisition lead and a purchasing officer. So I just want to point out to our listeners that Pascal and you know other companies need talent that's not necessarily science-focused, per se. Yes, right? exactly. So, yes, it's, it's important to be mentioned. I mean, if, if you are motivated by being part of this great adventure, because I believe it's one, I think we are currently shaping the, uh, the future of computing, and quantum technologies will be the, the leading ones for the 21st centuries. You don't need to be a physicist. I mean, we, we are seeking all kinds of talents. I mean, H, as mentioned, HR, business development, of course. And there is room for everyone. We need talents. And I think we Pascal is a great place to work. So I, I would be glad if, it, if some of the people of the audience are ready to join us. Yes. Great. So I encourage listeners to check out the Pascal site because, uh, you know, as George is describing, there's lots of opportunities and ways to get involved in quantum information science. So, and we need a lot of talented people across a range of disciplines by my little soapbox speech. Well, George, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for sharing insight on what you and Pascal are doing. Very exciting work. Congrats again on the Azure partnership and um, Q and Co. It's very exciting. So we look forward to hearing more. Okay. Thank you, Christoph. It was great talking with you today. Great. I'm going to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. Uh, point people to the website. It's pascal.io. Uh, you have a Twitter handle, I noticed. So it's at uh, pascal.io. So people can follow you on Twitter. And uh, again, I want to thank George Olivier Raymond for joining me today on Quantum Tech Pod. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with George. I also want to mention that George uh, is part of the IQT event in San Diego, May 10 through 12. He's part of the first panel on that Tuesday. It's a quantum processor executive roundtable. So hopefully those of you who went in person saw him. But if not, you can um, 
watch it, watch the recording on the web. If you go to iqtevent.com slash San Diego, you'll be able to see this very interesting conversation. Listen to my other podcasts if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.